than take care of my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Peter, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And he said, then Peter, I want you to take care of my little lambs. For most surely I say unto you, when you were younger, you girded yourself up and you walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish to go. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God with. And when he had spoken this, he looked at Peter and said, Come, follow me. First thing Jesus ever told Peter is follow me. First personal thing that he ever really told Peter was to follow me. The last personal thing that he ever told Peter was to follow me. Why did Jesus have to come back and go through this in John 21? Because Peter had made a mess of things. That sound familiar? Have you ever found yourself in a place where you've made a mess of things? How would you respond to someone's last words? If you knew it was going to be one of the last things you ever talked to them about, how would you respond? One of the last things that he tells Peter personally is, follow me. You see, what Jesus was doing in the life of Peter was bringing about the restoration. The restoration from his past. What does that word restoration mean? To bring back. To bring back to its original condition. If you've ever been into antiques or liked antiques or bought antiques or liked old cars or old tractors or old lawnmowers or whatever, it's the art of restoring. And they always talk about, has it been restored back to the original condition? Or are there parts that aren't really original? Or what is the condition of it? Is it original? I want you to understand something about God. That when we go to Him on the cross and we accept the finished work of Calvary, when we accept what He did for us, the propitiation for our sin, when we take that into our heart and we bring that into our life, I want you to know that He doesn't restore you halfway. That He will restore you back. That innocence. That innocence. Listen, He cannot redeem you just halfway. Because then you would still be undone. My brothers and sisters in Christ today, He wants to restore us back to the original place. Now, does that mean it takes away the memory of the past? The memory of the failures? No, 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 no. It's not like in Men in Black when they zap their memory and think that it never happened. You know, put that up there and they see the light and it flashes and they can't remember it. No, look, we are able to remember. But thank God for that memory. Because if you couldn't remember where you've come from, then you wouldn't be able to appreciate where you are. If somebody out there today, if he took away our memory of the failures and the mistakes and the wounds, then that heartache would not be able to become a diamond. But I want you to understand something. God wants to take the things in your heart and life that you resent, 
that pulled you back and he wants to say, just wait, I want to show you something. Just wait, I have a plan and a purpose. You see, it makes you appreciate the grace when you can remember how far he's brought you from. I believe with all of my heart, one of the things plaguing Christianity today, the world, this Christendom movement, is that we have been born again so long and we have forgot what it was like to be undone. And we cannot connect with people who are broken, people who are hurting, people who are struggling, and that we cannot identify. Because we want to act like it never happened. When you act like something never happened, you give the devil the glory. Because you want to keep it in secret. But when you own it, and you say, here's what God did in my life. Here's where I was. Here's how I was broken. Here's what I went through. When you own it, you take all the joy away from the devil and you give it to God and you say, that's how I was, but look at where I am now. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm telling you today, it's high time that we steal the joy away from the devil and say, you know what? I will not be ashamed of where he brought me from because I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ and the cross and the power of his resurrection. I will own it. You see, we have a mindset in this new world order of Christianity that wants to talk about the love of God. I, I mean, I was, I was preparing for my sermon last night, and I was over in, in, in 2 Kings and reading about some of the stuff in 2 Kings, and I thought, man, this would drive the new Christians crazy today. Because all we know is that when God loves you, God loves you, God cares for you, God wants you to be happy. God wants to coddle you. Listen, I'm telling you today that sometimes God brings adversity in our life. And you know what? Because he's working on something that's bigger than you are. Because the pain in your heart, the pain in your life, and the emptiness in your life, he wants to restore you back to the innocence, but he wants to take that pain that you may feel like is so much shame and make it into a trophy of grace. I'm telling you, Jesus is the only one who can take our pain and bring it into a triumph. He looked at Peter and he said, "I I want to restore you. That's what this is all about at the end of John 21. Restoration of Peter's past. But I believe there's some of you in here today, some watching online this morning in television, that you won't even go to church anymore because you're so ashamed of your past. That you're ashamed to come in contact with them. And I'll tell you, there's some churches you probably don't want to go to. Because you can't be real about how you're hurting. Because you have to put on this veil of religion and fake facade and act like everything's okay. Listen, we live in a world that is, that is under the influence of the prince of the power of the air and there are demonic spirits and, uh, spirits and powers and principalities at war here. We live in a fallen world and I'm telling you that it's life. That you walk through adversity. It's life that you walk through hardship. It's life that you walk through tribulation. It's life that you walk through pain. But I'm telling you today. And you may be hard pressed. But you don't have to be crushed. Because Jesus Christ the author and finisher of your faith says. Just wait. I'm not done yet. 
Peter had created this mess in his life, sitting around a campfire and denied Jesus. Some of you did not create your mess. Somebody else's mess was thrust upon you. Some of you are the product of somebody else's bad decision. Some of you in here today did not create your mess. It was not your decision. It was somebody else's decision that brought pain into your life. And I want you to know today, on the authority of the Word of God, and not this preacher, that Jesus has brought you by this way for me to tell you today that He has given you another chance for you not to throw in the towel, for you not to give up. You need to have some stick to Say, Where did that word come from? I make it up. It's good preaching. Trusting in God. Have you ever been forgiven? Have you ever felt His hand of grace and mercy? Then you know what I'm talking about. And what you need to do is you need to own it. One of the greatest tragedies is that God does something miraculous in your life and you won't tell your story. And yet your story may be the very thing that's going to get somebody else through. You think you're the only person dealing with whatever it was you dealt with? Loss, pain, heartache, abandonment, failure. No. That's why the Bible says not to forsake the assembling of yourself or the brethren. Not so that preachers can get a ministerial count of how many people showed up on Sunday and feel good about what they're doing. No, no, no. Because I'm telling you that we're not all going to be down at the same time. We're not all going to be walking under the dark clouds at the same time. And whenever we are walking through adversity and life is sucking the joy out of our soul on that day, there's somebody else that's just a little bit further ahead of where you are. And they will say, don't you give up don't you give in and they will put their arms around you and they will help carry you through that tribulation that's why you need family that's why you need a church community a body of believers that believes in the power of resurrection that delights in the power of the deliverance and the healing power of Jesus Christ that's why my friends that's why So when you're ready to throw in the towel and quit. I remember when everybody turned their back on me and fall on your sword and die, you're done. There was one preacher. There was one preacher. He said, I won't let you quit. I won't let you quit. It's not an option. You can't quit. I don't accept it. This is a defining moment in your life. It was probably some eight years later. Pastor Bob Galloway told me one day, he said, I decided on that day if you were going to quit, that I was going to run out there in the parking lot and tackle you. That's what we need for people to say, I'm going to tackle you and not let you quit and know that God's not finished. Yes, it may be a detour. God may be doing something different than what you ever thought. He may be taking you on a pathway that's least traveled. But can I tell you, that's where all the beauty is. Well, let me hurry up here, Spent a little further time on that than I expected to, but he wanted to give him the restoration from his past. And he wanted to set some expectations about his future. 
Jesus says, Peter, I restore you back. Now go back and do what you were created to do. And then he tells him this here in verse 18. He says, and I'm going to tell you that when you were younger, you did whatever you wanted to do. You went where you wanted to go. You walked there. Uh, you did all these things. But when you're old, it won't be that way. Somebody's going to carry you where you do not want to go. You're, and if you look up the life of Peter, you will see what I'm talking about. His time in prison, all that he went through, even the death that he died. You see, because Jesus met Peter on the seashore and restored him, it gave him the power that when he was martyred, that he was able to tell them, you know what, turn my cross upside down because I'm not even worthy to be crucified in the same fashion that Jesus has been. Not only does God want to heal you from the past, but he wants to steer you in the right direction for your future. You say, wow, he wants to tell me how I'm going to die? Well, maybe. If you knew you were going to die tomorrow, I bet you'd live differently this evening. That Sunday evening nap may not be quite as important, would it? Have you ever felt like you just didn't measure up? Who said you didn't? Who said you didn't measure up? Was it a preacher? Was it a spouse that said you weren't good enough? Was it a parent that looked at you as a child and said, you're not worthy, you don't measure up? You'll never amount to anything. Was it a teacher? Was it a mentor? Was it a community leader? Who was it? Who told you that you didn't measure up? They can't measure what they don't know. And what rule was they measuring by? Their standard? They don't know how to measure you. To measure something, you have to have the blueprints. Anytime in the construction world something goes wrong and it's not fitting into place, what do they do? They go back to the blueprints, they go back to the drawings, and they lay them out on a table and they start taking a little slide ruler and laying it there and counting off mark after mark and saying, okay, what does that equal on this scale? And they start trying to compute where it is on the blueprint. I'm telling you today, there's only one person that's got the blueprint of your life, and it's not down here on planet Earth. It's lodged in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and in the vault of heaven. He has the blueprint for your life. Quit looking to the world to tell you whether you're measuring up and start looking to the author and finish of your faith, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who designed you, the one who created you, the one who loved you. Quit caring about what people are saying about you and start delighting in what God's saying. Third thing I want you to write down is this. Not only did Peter find himself in a, the restoration from his past and the expectations for his future, but he found himself in conflict with the present. Do you find yourself in conflict with, conflict with your presence, present situation? I love Peter. He, boy, he could make a mess of things. But it never deterred God's plan for his life. Now, you just finished see, uh, uh, breakfast on the seaside with Jesus. He just restored you from your past. He just told you about your future. And then look at what he says. But then Peter turned around and saw the disciple who Jesus loved, that being John, talking about himself in third person again. 
and uh, who also had leaned on his breast. There he is again telling you about all that he had done with Jesus at the supper table and said, Lord, who is the one who, when he said, Lord, who is, John said, who is the one who betrays you? And then Peter, seeing him, said, Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? What about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I will that he remains till I came and come again, then what does that mean to you? What does that even have to do with you, Peter? And look at what he said again. Follow me. Follow me. And then I like how John put this. It says and that's, that saying was spread, out, spread all over the place. It went everywhere. That statement that Jesus told Peter. He goes on and he says, if I will that he remain till I come again, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testified of the things and wrote these things. And this testimony is true. Peter was now measuring himself again against his peers, against John. This is hard. Because you view peers as your competition. No matter what you do, somebody's competing for where you are. I'll never forget, when I moved here in 2005, there had not been a new church plant in Alexandria in about 20 years. A new church stock. I didn't really want to be here. I spent a lot of time trying to tell God I didn't need to be here. and You know that story, negotiating with him, and well, you see how that worked out. And I was in a little strip, strip, strip mall shopping center, and uh, the whole front was glass right there on MacArthur Drive across from Cajun Landing. I was having church on Saturday nights. And there was this fairly large church in Pineville that fell, in, fell out with each other, conflict, and they divided the church. And the preacher took a couple of hundred of them and went across the street to the Best Western. And then about two weeks later, there was another church in Pineville that, that fell out. And then that preacher took a couple of hundred, and he, he was meeting at the Clarion. Now, if you're new to Alexandria, you don't know what the Clarion is because it's not there anymore. But there was a hotel there called the Clarion. Best Western, the Clarion. And there I was, literally across the street, with the Best Western to my left, or right across the street, and the Clarion to my right. And I remember standing, looking out that window, and this was my thought. I said, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing, Lord? Why did you put me here to start with nothing, with nobody, with four families? And now there's 400 people who's mad at each other, meeting across the street. And here I am, all 12 of us, hoping somebody shows up. And I'll never forget, it's like it was, you said, was this audible? I said, no, it wasn't audible, it was much louder. He said to me, he said, do you think I didn't know that was going to happen when I put you here? He said, now you don't worry about what's happening across the street. You be faithful to the task that I called you to. My friends today, it is so easy to be sidetracked by what God's doing in somebody else's life. That you and me will start coveting their blessings that it will rob us of our very own. 
I'm telling you today on the authority of the word of God that Jesus is passing your way to restore you of your past, to meet you and guide you towards your future. But he wants you to be victorious in your present. And if you're in conflict with where you are, if you're in rebellion with where God has you, if you're struggling with what God's saying in your life, and I know what it's like to be at odds with God about what he's calling you to do. I'm telling you that you will never make it to the destination he has designed with you till you obey him where you are. He looked at Peter and he said, Peter, what if he, what if he stays here till I come again? Well, don't you know, John, the disciple that Jesus loved who leaned on his breast and beat Peter to the tomb? Don't you know that he'd be tired if he was still living today? I mean, just side note, I mean. What if he remains till I come again? What business is that of yours? And then the last thing I want you to write down. I want you to write this down. What if the solution to yesterday's problem is what's causing you the conflict today? What if the remedy for yesterday's problem is no longer sufficient for today, but you're so holding on to the solution of yesterday that you're robbed of what he's doing today? See, there's a complication of man's measuring. I love how this story ends, verse 25. And there are also many other things what Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that were written. That's a lot of stuff. Even the world could not contain all the books if it told you every single thing that God has done. Now think about it. What is there? 50 of us in here. That's 50 books right there. Every one of your life represents a book. And just think how long that book would be if you didn't divide it into volumes. From 1 to 10, from 10 to 20, from 20 to 30, 30 to 40, 40 to 50. What if every 10 years there's a new book? Because everything changes drastically in 10-year increments. If you don't know that, you're awful young. You will understand it in 10 years to come. What if you went back, starting at your earliest childhood remembrance, and wrote down every pain in your life? And then wrote down every victory in your life. Page after page after page. And that you could see where God is moving on your behalf. Moving through that first ten years. Second ten years. Into your third ten years. Seeing where God was moving. Seeing where God was orchestrating on your behalf. You say, oh boy, preacher. I haven't ever had anything good happen to me. Well, you probably have, but you just hadn't realized it. What's God trying to do in your life today? Do you ever wonder that? Let me give you the answer. He's trying to fulfill the purpose that you were designed by. 
that he may be glorified in your life. On the cross, he took care of the past. He paid the price for it. In the present, he took care of today. He rose again. And he lives, and he's seating at the right hand of God to make intercession for us. And in the future, he's waiting to come and receive his bride. That where he is, there we may be also. Don't you give up today. Don't you give in. Those who trust in the Lord will have a firm foundation. Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, just speak to our hearts. God, have your way. Lord, thank you that you overcame my past. Thank you, Lord, that I know about restoration, not because somebody else told me about it, but, Lord, because I experienced it myself. And, Lord, maybe today there's somebody here that's holding back, trusting you, in walking in that spirit of restoration, embracing that restoration. Lord, maybe they don't trust you, God. Maybe, maybe they are, are second-guessing it, Lord. And maybe today their baby step number one would be to say, I will trust that, Lord, you have their best interest in heart. Lord, that you would guide them and lead them and triumph over their past, that you would guide them in their present, and that you would lay out the blueprint for their future. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. As you stand to your feet today, this is your altar. Maybe you want to come, maybe you want to worship and giving right now. Wherever the Lord is speaking to your heart, won't you come? Let God have his way in your life today. Won't you come right now? Let him speak to you. Take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory. Take God. Glory, Glory to God. God. Glory to God. 